I wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. Oh, every time I close my eyes, I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah, a different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. Well, hello again, South Florida entrepreneurs and wantrepreneurs. Welcome to Scoring Your Business, a program brought to you by Palm Beach Score. Just in case you haven't heard of us, we are a 41-year-old Palm Beach organization that exists solely to help small businesses in the county grow and prosper. Whether you are a startup business or one that survived the economic turmoil of the last few years, if you are ready to grow your business, then we are ready to provide you with your own personal mentor who will help you plan a prosperous future. Because we are a local nonprofit and receive our financial support from major corporations, we are able to offer our mentoring services absolutely free. And trust me, our mentors have some pretty impressive resumes. Nearly all were or are founders, CEOs, CFOs, or COOs of both large and small companies. They have walked in your shoes and understand the responsibilities and challenges of being the top decision maker in an organization. Check us out at palmbeach.score.org. It is a connection that will give you a helping hand to make your business the success you know it can be. I am Penny Pompey, Palm Beach Scores Chairman, and your host for tonight's show. Every small business owner will tell you that, yes, of course they invest time and money in marketing. Even if it is only by word of mouth, it still takes time and investment in encouraging existing clients to pass the word on to their friends. In today's complex marketing world, there are just no easy answers to a small business owner's question about the best way to market their products or services. We have moved so far beyond the old Yellow Pages ad that now the marketing battlefield is strewn with millions of wasted dollars on poorly executed schemes that didn't get a single person to make a single purchase. Let me tell you one real life story. Several years ago, I was contacted by an entrepreneur who was in tears. She had developed a new software program that she and her close family members believed would be something that every single business in the United States would want to have if they only knew about it. She had raised $100,000 from those same family members and a few friends to launch a marketing campaign. They all sat down around the kitchen table one night to review the options and decide on the best way to market this software. Point A, they decided their potential market was more than 31 million U.S. businesses. Point B, they decided if they could only get 1% of the market, they would all be rich. Point C, what resource does every business owner go to for business information? Their answer, the Wall Street Journal. Their solution, take out a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal, cost about $80,000, and watch the orders and the money roll in. 
Two weeks later, a tearful phone call. They had placed the ad and didn't receive a single phone call. They had wasted four-fifths of their capital investment and no, had no idea what to do next. It's easy to see in hindsight where their decisions were wrong, but sadly, too many small business owners waste too much money on marketing campaigns that never produce a drop of revenue. Let's consider the statistic that nearly half of small business owners do not have a website. Yet 80% of Americans research a company online before committing to a purchase. Some small business owners invest in social media outreach only. Some invest in newspaper ads only. Some invest in mailers only. Some invest in highway signs only. Small business budgets are never big enough to cover every conceivable marketing vehicle. So what's an entrepreneur to do? We are going to find out right now from our guest, Mark Gibbons, a marketing and business development specialist with MYM Business Services in Wellington. Mark's specialty is working with small business clients to help them find inexpensive and effective ways to reach their prospective clients. This really is more complicated than rocket science, and it takes an expert with decades of experience to know how to get the best bang from a small business buck. Welcome to the program, Mark. First of all, please tell us about MYM Business Services. Well, thank you so much, Penny, and I really appreciate your allowing me to be here and share some, hopefully some nuggets with your audience as to really what avenues they might want to consider when they look at those marketing dollars and how they should be spent, how they should be allocated to achieve, like you said, you know, a biggest bang for their buck. Because that does tend to be one of the biggest areas of opportunity for most small businesses. They simply don't have a solid plan in place. And yes, you might have to put together a marketing plan for your business. But when it comes to actually putting together a plan that makes sense, that that's where they actually might need some help. But MWAM Business Services, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. Uh, MWAM Business Services was started as a means to help those small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses really, get a hold on an area that is tends to be elusive, tends to get away from them a little bit. You know, one of the world's most famous marketers, Dan Kennedy, um, has said that, you know, you don't want you, you don't want to be caught up on doing your thing at the expense of marketing your thing. I mean, you could or words to that effect. You could look at many, many people out there that have one name recognition that you might say arguably they're not the most talented, but what they do have is a strong marketing component that's propelling them forward, even though they may not be the most talented person out there in their respective field. That's very true. It doesn't. It's not about ability so much. It's really about marketing and getting the buzz going. And very true. You really have to look at how your business is getting itself out there, getting its name out there. And as you mentioned earlier in your introduction, 
that really encapsulates a lot of the issues small businesses face. They're looking at yellow pages, uh, billboards, uh, maybe a website, which is, of course, a good thing to have anyway. Uh, They're looking at bench ads. They're looking at various forms of media outlets that they might be attractive up front. Newspaper ads, $80,000. Wow, that's a bargain, right? Um, With the Wall Street Journal. They look at these different outlets, (laughs) but unless they know a very, very, and can answer a very key question, they could be literally wasting tens of thousands of dollars. Let me give you an example. Going back to that that um, example with the young lady, the, the young entrepreneur, software designer, developer that had $100,000 she'd gathered together from family members. What could you do with that? Mark? Yeah. What um, well, could the you first thing that? I would have sat down and said, ma'am, who is your target customer? Right. It's not 31 million businesses. It I, just I can guarantee you it's not the 31 million businesses you're going after right away. It's probably something or someone, maybe local. In your community, maybe I'm not. I'm not saying I don't. I don't know the details there, but you have to do the analysis, and that is where the actual planning comes in. That's where you actually want to sit down with a competent, qualified person that's going to hold your feet to the fire, and have you answer some very specific questions about who is your ideal customer, where do they shop. What do they eat? If it's software, what are their issues? Why do they need your software? What problem is your software solving? People respond to different things. Fear of loss um, or desire for gain. Is your software solving one of those two key areas? If so, that determines how you present your product, your service, or your business to that customer. So you have to drill, drill down. Where do they shop? Where do they eat? What do they eat? What kind of computers do they tend to use? Some might say that if you are more artistic, you might go the way of the Macintosh. If you're more nuts and bolts like me, you might go the way of the PC. But those two things can be a little fluid. You have to be able to answer those questions and get as specific as you possibly can. Because the only way you are going to have your cash register go ka-ching is when you can speak the language or speak the words that that target customer is looking for you to speak to them to have you earn their business. Does that make sense? It is. In fact, I've heard it described that you have to actually create a, in your mind, create a person that is your your target customer or your perfect customer that you want to sell to. Not that everybody that buys your product or service is going to have exactly the same profile, but if you have that one person in the middle that has all of the things that you were talking about, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. demographics. Are they married? Do they have children? Where do they live? Are they renters? Are they, are they owners? Mm-hmm. Where do they shop? Where mm-hmm. do they go to the movies? Do mm-hmm. they go to the movies? Do they watch television? All of those things. So you have to have in your mind, you've created this person that you identify with all the time and you say, okay, this I want to I advertise here, but will 
this person I've created, will, will that work with them? And it somehow, to me, it helps you decide, well, that's not going to work. That, that marketing avenue is not going to work for my customer because I know what that customer is like. Exactly. You really, that's where the research comes in. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of business owners, they can, they can be a, they can shortchange the need and the necessity for effective marketing. They can be almost lured by the pull of that $80,000 Wall Street Journal. And you know, Wall Street Journal goes in the most prestigious of homes, most prestigious of businesses. They subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. That is your target audience. And that might very well be that person's target audience. But is it that is it her target audience right now or where she is in the, in the phase of her business? We don't know that. So there's still no. a lot of variables out there that are unanswered. But it could be at some point. But is it right now? If it's going to eat up 80% of your, of your startup budget? Likely not. Exactly. I mean, I, it was one of those very sad phone calls because I, I just wanted to tell her, why didn't you come to us before? <laughs> why didn't you come in the beginning when you had the $100,000 and we could have helped you structure something or we could have referred her to somebody like you mm-hmm. to develop? I'm assuming that's one of the things yes, that you do is you absolutely. develop that perfect customer profile. Absolutely. It takes a lot. It takes, you know, companies spend literally millions upon millions upon millions of dollars determining demographics. Right. That in and of itself, the analysis that goes into that is mind-boggling. I'll make a reference to this most previous election. I mean, we have, we, are, we, are coming, we are coming through one of the most controversial elections in the history of this country. And I Unless you read you, some of the old history books, yeah, I mean yeah. there were some pretty bad elections yeah. back in the 1800s. Yeah, so. there were there were some pretty there were some pretty some some doozies out there. But this one, in recent memory, it will I'll will go with, I'll go with will, recent memory. Will will go certainly with the 21st century anyway. Will be <laughs> will one. will be one um, for the record books. But all those uh, researchers, all all the all the pollsters. Millions upon millions upon millions of dollars went into determining, okay, who's going to do this? Who's going to vote this person? Who's going to vote for that person? Who's going to, who is the person we want to reach out to with our message? I mean, I got the robocalls all the time. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad they're done. And, and, you know, the commercials on TV, and it's just, you're inundated. And again, this is what the people that are running for office believe they have to do to cut through the clutter. But at some point, where do you become desensitized to that message? You just turn off and say, well, I'm just going to close my eyes and, and, and throw a dartboard at the ballot and, and pick one that way. Of course, you can't do that. But that's almost when you step into that booth what you want to accomplish, what you, what you might end up doing because you become so desensitized. So at some point, you really have to step back and look at who is your audience and what is my message to that audience? Because that message has to resonate with that audience. And it might not even be a singular message. A lot of times, again, going back to the Yellow Pages ad or the Wall Street Journal ad, it's a one-time deal. 
not realizing that it might actually take up to six times of exposure to your business or your product or your service before that person will say, okay, now I'm ready to actually raise my hand and get more information or do business with you. So if you've spent $80,000 of your budget or 80% of your budget on a one-shot deal, that has to be a pretty significant shot, a very targeted, very specific shot for it to maybe make a difference. Okay, Mark, do you have, can you give us one thing, the most essential thing for marketing that a small business owner must do? Excellent. Excellent question, Penny. And in my workshops, I go over several areas, several pillars where the business owner needs to look at their marketing as the foundation of their business. Specifically, their marketing, this this particular um, area of their marketing, their marketing hinges and is built upon this. Look at it as a foundation of a home. If a home has a shaky foundation, it's not going to stay up very long. It's not going to be very secure. So the one thing I can say that a business owner should really look to nail down and narrow down as quickly as possible is what makes their business special. Why should I do business with you? as opposed to your competitor down the street, down the road, across town. Why should I come to you and give you my hard-earned money? Um, there's a, there was a great um, book that was written um, not too long ago um, called Differentiate or Die. Uh, and that book, um, for some reason the author's escaping me, but... Um, that book was written to show you the importance of differentiating yourself from other similar businesses. The reason is, as you, as I mentioned in the, just before the break, we are inundated with messages, thousands of messages from phone, uh, from email, from text, from radio, from TV, from newspapers, and those messages end up being noise in our head. We, as a small business owner, you have to cut through that clutter and make sure your message resonates with your audience and cuts through that clutter as clearly, as succinctly, and as quickly as possible to ensure that they know why they should do business with you. So that you're kind of dancing around... Um, the issue of uh, the unique selling proposition, right? That is exact. Don't you love the way I dance, Penny? <laughs> I do. You did a good job on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you absolutely, as a small business, have to know what separates you from the pack. And I believe when we were chatting in your office recently, you articulated what scores USP is. But would you believe... I didn't actually know what it was until you told it to me recently. (laughs) I didn't know what SCORE's unique selling proposition was. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. So by all means, let's get that message out there because here's the thing. Once you figure out 
your unique. This is how powerful the unique selling proposition is, Penny. Once you figure out your unique selling proposition, it opens up doors like you would not believe to other businesses that might share a similar unique selling proposition or, more importantly, be going after the same target demographic. So one of the other things we teach when you find that unique selling proposition is can you now leverage that knowledge and take it to another non-competitive business to see how can we work together on this? We have a caller. So... A Joe? Oh, okay. Joe. Oh, Joe. Well, welcome to the show. And do you have a question for Mark? Well, Joe, um, Joe and I actually, uh, I wanted to bring him on uh, this evening for the sake of an object lesson that maybe would resonate with some of your audience here. Uh, Joe, how are you doing, doing today? Great. All right, awesome. So based upon what I just mentioned, the unique selling proposition, and when you find your unique selling proposition, you take that to the marketplace and you then see what other businesses share that similar unique selling proposition, or maybe they share a demographic or target demographic that you might be able to work with and partner with. So Joe is actually, uh, let me you know, share his story here in a moment, but Joe is actually one of those individuals who found that this unique selling proposition and how it can be parlayed into marketing and promoting your business made a lot of sense to him so much so that he is actually doing something pretty phenomenal, about to kick off something pretty phenomenal here in the community through working together as a joint venture. Joe and scoremorebiz.com are working on something that's going to really, really help the small business community here in ways you may not even have known. I'll get to my my little bit in a second, but since Joe's on the line, Joe, share what you and I at scoremorebiz.com have been working on. Well, I am uh, the owner of three franchised UPS stores in Palm Beach County. Um, we are looking to, uh, you know, grow our main profit center, which is our mailboxes. Um, you know, we have PO boxes, but it's more than that. You get a street address and make it more of a business resource center than you know, just a simple PO box. So, you know, every single person in there needs us for something, and I'd say 90% of the people in there uh, that rent the mailboxes from me are um, businesses. So what better way to get the word out, uh, you know, through our, my marketing it goes through through my businesses um, in those boxes. And I think we're very underutilized and um, just making us more of a business resource center instead of just a, just a regular mail. And if they want that, they go to the post office. So through uh, mm-hmm. through Mark and you know, we've been talking back and forth for you know, quite a while now, just to get more out of those and to offer we'll offer something back instead of you know just pay the money and go. And you know, we're giving you know, resources back as a as a gratitude as a you know just build relationships with with all these people. They're all my stores. Exactly, and uh, I, I do appreciate you coming on the line, Joe. I, I know I, I know you were invited to come on, and the reason why this is so important is because a lot of small businesses out there are out there, I should say, working independently of each other. 
not realizing that they can take a team approach. Team stands for together, everyone achieves more. There is no shortage of money. There's no shortage of resources in this area or in the world today. It's just how are you effectively or most effectively deploying or utilizing those resources that are at your disposal. And one of the things that we look at, and especially working with uh, the UPS stores in North Palm Beach, Royal Palm Beach, and Wellington, is how can they better utilize those resources, those marketing assets that are hidden to them right now. Call them hidden marketing assets, such that they can take those resources, leverage them, and create areas of opportunity, of increased revenue, of customer growth, uh, retention, increasing the lifetime value of that customer. How can they take those resources and actually turn them into something tangible, which makes a cash register run? I think Joe and I have um, been working on something. We're going to be sharing something about that. I'll be sharing something about that specifically here in just a moment. But um, what Joe is doing, we don't know if it's been done anywhere else in this country, but we want Palm Beach County small businesses to be ground zero for what we believe to be a movement to revitalize and really reshape the small business landscape because we can do it utilizing that philosophy of together everyone achieves more well it's very true collaboration uh, strategic alliances that's the way the new world works these days and while it may not have been so important in the past it's absolutely critically important today in today's marketplace so um one of the things that they used to say about marketing. Joe, thank you for calling. I think we're, we're done with you. We'll let you go. Thank you very much. We appreciate your phone call. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things that they uh, used to teach about marketing, um, perhaps not anymore, but I always believed that when you craft a marketing message, whatever using whatever vehicle you want to uh, use, that you craft the message to sell the sizzle, not the steak. So is that still a uh, something that you need to do when you think about how you craft your message? While you do want to sell the sizzle, you want to be able to back it up with some steak, hopefully. Uh, that's that's going to be very important uh, to be able to back it up at some point. Well, don't we go back then to, I mean, to me... The sizzle is the unique selling proposition. Yes. Everybody's got steak. Steaks come from a cow, and everybody's got the same steak. I mean, basically, that's going to yeah. be the case. Yeah. So it's how you sizzle your steak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that becomes your unique selling proposition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, because as I mentioned earlier, when you have a business that's very similar to someone else's business down the street, you have to differentiate yourself some way, somehow. And yes, Figuring out what makes your business sizzle, you'll eventually be led to what makes your business sell, and then what will make your business soar. S O A R. <laughs> right. You know, one of the things uh, when we were talking about building the profile of your perfect client, uh, creating this person mm-hmm. or the persona at least. Um, in some of the research that I was doing, I ran across a new term for a. A demographic group, mm-hmm. and they're called Henrys, which are high earnings, not yet, not rich yet. 
So H-E-N-R-Y, high earnings, not rich yet, households. And there are 24 million of those households in the U.S. So for the listeners out there, um, if think of all of the businesses that a Henry household would be attractive for. Mm-hmm. But who ever thought about targeting that group specifically to for product or service? It was just curious to me. I mean, these things come up like every other every other week. There's a new demographic profile of somebody or other. I remember when you know it used to be called, um, you know, uh, buppies. Uh, oh, yuppies, <laughs> yeah. yuppies, buppies. You know, different different terms they come up with to to yeah, capture yeah. to capture that goes back to the professionals, to yeah. the uh, younger professionals, um, yuppies, buppies, burpees. They call they call them all different kinds of things. Uh, Slurpees, I mean, they'll come up with a name almost in any given week because someone has figured out a new way to get in your pocket, (laughs) a new way to market to what's in your pocket. So they have to come up with a cute name to justify why they're going to do that. Uh, And yes, you can do that. It makes it it cute, makes it memorable. But at the end of the day, you know, the famous, the very famous, the famous late Peter Drucker said, uh, marketing and innovation make money. Everything else is a cost. He's a famous marketing consultant, a management consultant, goes back many, many years. He's dead, deceased now. But his, his, message, his messages are still true today, even though they may have been said decades ago. Figuring out what it is about your business that will allow you to stay in business and keeping that in the forefront of your customer's mind. As I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of clutter to get through be it 10,000 emails a day or tweets or, or you know, posts or whatever, um, commercials, you know, whatever it is we're dealing with in this electronic age, it's hard to put that aside and focus on, gee, why do I need this right now in my life? So until you can find out the reason why you want that to get that person to respond to your message or your service, your product, your business, you have an uphill battle. That's why having that unique selling proposition right out of the starting gate could help you immeasurably. Well, and a lot of the time, the customer, the prospective customer, doesn't even know they need this product or service. Exactly. And so you have to create the need and then create the fact that you're the solution, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's some of that too. Where was I reading somewhere that in the next five years, 80% of the products that you see will not even have been invented yet, something along those I, lines. Yeah, I've read that. I don't I know where that. that was somewhere um, in, my, in, my, in my various uh, research forays. Think of the opportunities for entrepreneurs then. Exactly. all sorts of things to be invented out Exactly. There. there are lots of things to be invented, but it doesn't take away from the fact that the person that's actually making the purchase is a person. I know that kind of gets lost. We like to hide behind the wall of a Facebook or a Twitter account or an Instagram post or whatever. I mean, but at the end of the day, someone, and we're going to hide behind the computer keyboard a little bit, but at the end of the day, the person's going to make that purchase. It is a person. It's a person that's to whip out that card, swipe it, or come into your store, give you cash, whatever that is, to actually keep you in business. So what can you do to get that person to either swipe that card or give you that cash? 
in a way that's, of course, respectful and honoring and so on and so forth and ensures that they'll be here for the long haul. That's what it's all about when your marketing is most effective. So you mentioned email, um, but you also mentioned the fact that we all get 10,000 emails. We have now an automatic spam file that emails come into that just automatically go there um, because they've been identified by some algorithm that this is probably going to be spam. Um, so how do you, well, let, let me back up. Let me just say, is email an effective way to market your product or services anymore? It absolutely is. If, again, it's done correctly. And there's a certain formula that you have to use when you are doing email marketing in your marketing mix. Now, if you go through the whole gamut of different ways to market, you'll easily come up with dozens. Because as a new form of technology comes out, it just adds another potential tool to that marketing mix. So if you know how to leverage email, it can be very effective. But again, you have to know how to leverage it for it to be effective. Okay, Mark, you have come in loaded for bear, and you have some kind of proposition or proposal or something <laughs> that um, you want to offer to our listeners. So, Absolutely, Penny. And to the best of my knowledge, as I alluded to previously when Joe was on the, was on the, on the call, I don't believe this has been done anywhere in Palm Beach County before, maybe even on the eastern seaboard. I'm not entirely sure, but it certainly hasn't been done in this venue before. I'm, I feel fairly certain about that. But Well, not on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard what it is yet. But uh, <laughs> We haven't had any wonderful propositions. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, this might be uh, just the proposition you guys have been waiting for. You know, Again, as I mentioned just a few you know, minutes ago, uh, we're coming off of a very challenging election cycle. And now that's, that's in the past. But, you know, one thing the candidates do when they are new elected, newly elected to office is they kick off with a 100-day agenda. That's true. So consider this, my or our 100-day agenda. Now, never before in the history that I know of, of this show, of the station, maybe even this business, um, has this been done before. But I feel so passionate and so strongly about this and about giving those businesses that little extra nudge that they need to start figuring out, well, who is your target demographic? What is my business like? You know, who is my, who is my target customer? Um, what is my unique selling proposition? You know, how do I put this all together, make sense of all this? Because it can be a, it can be a daunting process. So let me ask a, a question that kind of dovetails into all of this. Is it ethical for a small business owner to thoroughly research their competition and how they market and then copy the, those methods? It is done more times than you can imagine. Absolutely so. Absolutely. It's done, it's done all over the place. Now, the only thing is you want to copy what works. <laughs> right. that, maybe that stands to but, reason. But, but how you, do you know? absolutely want to copy what works. But you don't know necessarily that it's working. You, you, you would only know that you like it, right? 
mean, if you see your your competition doing something that you think is very clever, mm-hmm. you think that's going to be something you might want to do, but you don't know if it's effective. That's true. You don't know until you actually implement it in your business. And here's the thing. Again, it comes back to knowing your customer. If you are copying a marketing strategy that's being done by a dog groomer and you are a financial planner for Edward Jones, <laughs> depending upon maybe they have high net worth clients going to that dog groomer, but if not, if they're getting, you know, maybe Scruffy and, and Fido and not necessarily, you know, the the best in breed dogs, uh, then you might want to double think that or rethink that strategy. Uh, so you have to kind of use some common sense, I should say, and see, is that strategy that that company or that business is using attracting the kind of demographic I am trying to attract? That's, that's critical to ask. We haven't really touched on the big bugaboo for small business owners, which is social media, which, as we all know, is a huge time I'm sucker. I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Um, it's, you, can get, you can spend hours. I go into my LinkedIn account, and I can spend hours just getting lost in there with all of the stuff that's posted. So how, how much time, I'm assuming that you, you believe that Small business owners need to have a social media presence. Is that a given? Yes, as long as they don't get lost in it. And that's, okay, and so, that's, so and that's how the, do you that's, not? That's the critical thing. Um, and again, when the small business owner is wearing all the hats, then at some point they're going to be touching on this very issue. I prefer to to segment the responsibilities a, a business owner should have. One of the key Ways to segment is also to delegate. Um, if you're if you're able to delegate, delegate the non-essential tasks. It's a non-essential task. Delegate the tasks that don't absolutely need your attention to someone else that's capable of handling them. Another word I can use maybe is outsource. Um, a statistic I use in my workshops is that, according to the SBA, a business owner's time is worth three. an hour. So therefore, if you spend two or three hours a day tied to your social media presence, you've just blown $1,000 plus. You've just wasted $1,000 plus of your hard-earned time that could have been put to better use somewhere else. Would it make more sense to outsource that social media activity to someone for maybe a fraction of that amount? to free you up to focus on the bigger picture. So you got to look at those things and balance that out. So for our listeners, remember Palm Beach Score exists solely to help you bring entrepreneurial dreams to reality and reality to your dreams. Now, for Penny's two cents, when you stop dreaming, you stop living. Always keep a shining star ahead of you. Talk to you next Wednesday, 5 p.m., Scoring Your Business, 900 a.m., The Talk of the Palm Beaches. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen.